You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, my guest is Connor Boyack. He is an author of 36 books, most known for the book series Total Twins for Children. And he's teaching economic, political, civic principles for kids. So I think that it is, it is so exciting and I would love to discuss more the topics of entrepreneurship, education for children, because I think that we really need more of that. Hi, Connor. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Thanks for having me. So let's start by uh, telling a little bit more about yourself. I know that you're a book author, you're, you're a founder of Libertas Institute, you're a speaker, TV show producer, so you're doing a lot of things. So tell us a little bit about your background, about your story, and why you do what you do. Well, I am someone who passionately believes in human flourishing, uh, letting people be free to reach their potential and not be uh, restricted by unreasonable you know, laws or regulations or ignorance even. And, and so how can we maximize people uh, to have more innovation and have more prosperity and, and peace? And so that's what drives me uh, and a lot of my work in, in different facets. I started uh, an organization called Libertas Institute. We're a think tank uh, based in Utah, but we work across the United States. And we focus on policy reform. So we help elected officials try and change laws and really try and reduce the, the size and scope of government. Uh, in the process, I realized that you know I, I, I lacked the ability to tell my kids what their dad does all day for work. And uh, so one day years ago, I was on Amazon looking for books that would like children's books that would help me teach these ideas. Couldn't really find any. Um, and so that was kind of the entrepreneurial spark that uh, lit the, this fire that became the Tuttle Twins, which is a series of children's books where we teach kids these types of things like uh, economics, entrepreneurship, uh, personal responsibility and freedom and so forth. Um, and, and it's grown from there. It's all over the world. We translate them into a dozen languages. We were in the schools. We've got a cartoon with Angel Studios. Um, and so really for me, it's about reaching and teaching um, families. And, and really like my, my feeling is that we need to foster family discussions around the dinner table. Like that's where the greatest social impact can happen. Um, and, and so we want to be reaching and teaching not just the children in, in a school classroom. We also want their parents to be learning about these ideas so that they can all talk about them and learn about them together as a family. So that, that's what drives to a lot of the work that I do. Wow, this uh, it is really amazing what you do, and uh, congratulations on this idea and on this initiative because uh, I personally think that we need this so much. So I feel that schools they are not teaching entrepreneurship properly to kids. They are not teaching those market principles and topics about money. So do you? feel the same that we we are lacking this knowledge in schools and uh, or or is it going in in the right direction how do you think i i would argue it's going in the wrong direction i think most people would agree with that and and 
look at the successful entrepreneurs throughout history, and especially in, in recent history, modern history, they all hated school. They struggled in school. They didn't like memorizing stuff. They were fidgety. They wanted to go tinker and experiment and, and be creative. They didn't want to just sit there and have to like regurgitate the same information that every other kid was being uh, taught. They, they were nonconformists. They did not want to conform to a system. And so I think the modern school structure that we have clearly in the United States, but replicated all over the world uh, is such that individual desire and curiosity is diminished. Uh, it's about what the collective needs, what every child has to learn. It's, it's looking at the system and not a, at, at the individual. And so with entrepreneurship, you know, I, I think it's like surfing, right? If you want to learn surfing, you're not going to sit in a class and read a book about surfing about, okay, you know, when, when the wave comes, that's the time that you, you know, push yourself up and stand on your board. Like you can read it in a book, but you're not going to learn how to surf until you get out in the water. And it's that way with entrepreneurship. It's one thing to read in the book about how to write a business plan or how to create a budget. It's far more relevant, especially to a child's life, if there's a very specific applied experience that's driving it. If if your kids realize that in a three-hour uh, time span, they can make $100 as a 10-year-old, right, selling something at a farmer's market, that is going to be extremely motivating because they want to go, you know, buy a toy they want or whatever. And, and so because they are motivated, they are going to then pay far more attention to and be interested in learning about budgets and spreadsheets and cost of goods and marketing and all these things that if you sat a kid down in the classroom and said, today, we're going to learn about marketing, right? Boring. But if you let the profit motive guide the child, if you get them really interested in entrepreneurship, uh, they're going to learn way more. I don't, I don't think every kid needs to become an entrepreneur. I'm not advocating that every child must you know, go down this path. But I do think that the entrepreneurial way of thinking is something that every child should be exposed to because it's all about customer service. You're, you're trying to solve a problem that your customer has and help them. Uh, it's value creation. How can I create value for others? I think those things are fantastic for kids to learn so they're, they don't feel entitled and spoiled and self-centered. Entrepreneurship really requires you to think about other people. You're going to be rewarded in the process if you do it right. But fundamentally, you have to think about others and improving and lifting up society. And that's why I think entrepreneurship education and experiences is something that every child should be exposed to. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And it is funny because when you were speaking about the surfing example, I just reminded myself about my my surfing lesson when my friend just showed me, okay, you take this, you lay like this, you jump like this, go. And then it was it was it, like one minute lecture and then a couple of hours in the water just try yeah. failing and, and uh, you know, panicking and... Uh, than you know doing something good and so i think that the, the it is a very good analogy because we need to kind of introduce this model of learning by doing uh this is something that i use for example with students i teach entrepreneurship at the university and uh, i i'm introducing certain concept and then we are going to the market with this concept and we're 
trying in practice to do things in practice. So I think that uh, in schools, kids are uh, not exposed to this kind uh, to this kind of experiences. So do you think that this is the reason why, for example, homeschooling is so popular right now that uh, parents want to kind of introduce those concepts themselves and show that, show kids themselves how how it should be done? I, I think that's part of the answer. I think uh, parents are increasingly recognizing and realizing that they do want to teach these types of things to their children. I think the other part of the answer is there's far more opportunity for them to be able to do so. I'm speaking here of books and curricula and online courses and programs. Uh, I'll, I'll share a, a direct example. So one of the programs that we operate, we call it the Children's Entrepreneur Market. And we're based in Utah, and we operated this for about five or six years before deciding to scale it across the country. So now we're in seven states. We're going to add uh, 10 more next year, and within three to five years, we'll be in every state. And and how these work, like think of think of the lemonade stand. Uh, you know, a lot of kids love putting up a little stand on their driveway and try and get you know cars to stop and come buy from them. And those are great. They're fantastic, fun experiences, but they're very poor learning environments for children because 90% of the time they just sit there waiting for a car to stop. The The learning experience comes through interaction with the customer, seeing what questions they're asking, learning how to answer, trying to negotiate with them, counting the money. And so the lemonade stand ultimately isn't an ideal when it comes to learning experiences. So at our children's entrepreneur market, the way that it works is we gather 60, 80, 100 families together in kind of like a farmer's market event. All the families are in in um, little booths next to one another. They're three hours long. The kids can sell whatever they want. They have to do everything except for setting up and taking down. Mom and dad can help with uh, kind of those logistics, but the kids run the whole show. And uh, and then we advertise in the local community to bring people out, customers to to come. So these kids are just nonstop selling to people who are walking around on a Saturday morning looking for some food, some gifts, you know, some some you know. A lot of times it's people who don't really need the thing they're buying. They just oh you're you're cute and you're practicing entrepreneurship. Take my money, you know, and and they just have fun with it. Uh, but these kids learn so much. The satisfaction is through the roof. The parents are so proud of their kids. The kids want to do this again and again and again. Um, and, and so we're just like triggering these little sparks, getting these kids curious and interested and engaged. And so back to your question about homeschooling, you know, our program is in the process of scaling across the country, but there are others like it, or you can do your own. And there's so many more resources out there now to empower parents to say, hey, if you want to do something alternative, if you want to kind of take the responsibility of your children back to yourself, here are all these support uh, opportunities for you, these programs and organizations and mentors and, and courses and podcasts and all kinds of things to support those families. So I think it's those reasons why we've seen, like in the United States, I think it, it's more than doubled uh, just in the past few years, it, it tripled at some point right after COVID, and then it it's settled down a little bit. But uh, but I, but I think so many families are really excited to pursue these opportunities. They sound way more interesting than having your kids sit behind a desk 
reading out of a textbook day in, day out without having some applied project-based things to actually go out and experience. Yeah, and it is interesting that kids, they realize it themselves. So for example, uh, my teenage daughter, she recently said that, hey, homeschooling is so fun. One of my friends is doing it and then she doesn't have to go to school but uh, and she can learn whatever she wants. She can learn the whole chemistry in one day. Uh, she doesn't have to have this weekly classes. She can just learn everything and pass the exam whenever she wants. And uh, I feel that kids are becoming also more conscious uh, of the opportunities that are out there. So, yeah, maybe it will be the bottom-up approach, the bottom-up initiative uh, after some time that in kids and parents, they will want to change the system. But for now, as we are still in the system and, you know, majority of people, they're still in the school system. So uh, let's... Uh, give our listeners a couple of tips. So what can we do? So for example, based on your books, so what, what are you doing in your books? How can you, how are you engaging kids into actually learning those adults, important, serious topics? But yeah, they are serious topics. A lot of people were skeptical about the Tuttle Twins when we first started thinking, why are you talking about economics to an eight-year-old? You know, how, how do you talk about eminent domain or how do you talk about, you know, natural rights or all these things for kids? Why don't we save that for when they're teenagers or when they're adults? And so there was a bit of skepticism. What we've found uh, is two two primary takeaways here that I think parents can apply beyond the Tuttle Twins. It's not like we have a monopoly on these two things as well. But I think there are great ways for parents to really get their children motivated to learn. Step number one uh, is exactly this this uh, issue that we're talking about, about presenting children with material that is challenging. Too much kids' material meets children at the age that they are currently at. Uh, and, and so if you're an eight-year-old, you're reading a story that was written for eight-year-olds. The language is that of an eight-year-old. The, the concepts are, you know, just for that level. The, the way I think of it, it is I, I tell uh, my friends, I say, think of Thanksgiving dinner. You're at this big meal. The whole family is there, all your relatives. And there's, and you're, let's say you're a teenager, right? You're, you're, you're a teen. All the adults are at the big adult table and they use up all the chairs and so you're told that you need to go sit at the kids' table, but all the kids are younger than you, and you're caught in, in the middle. Every teenager wants to be you know, an adult. Every kid wants to be a teenager. We, we aspire for you know, that which is barely out of reach. And so with the Tuttle Twins, what we found is the magic that happens when you challenge kids. When you get them, you, you have to make it fun and interesting, obviously, so that you're not going to say, here's a college-level textbook about entrepreneurship, you know, and you're 12 years old, go read it. No, you have to make it really enticing and fun for kids. Um, but you can present, I mean, we teach concepts like praxeology and spontaneous order and all these things in kids' books, and they gobble it up. They love feeling like they're smarter than most adults because most adult, adults don't really understand these concepts. Um, so as long as you package it in the right way, I think as parents, we should not underestimate the ability of our children to learn and become interested in complex, serious adult type topics. So that could uh, mean talking to our children about current events, right? Trying to simplify them. Uh, you know, I 
I use ChatGPT all the time now, right? And and you can go to ChatGPT, for example, and say, hey, I want to talk to my nine-year-old um, about World War II. How do I, you know, tell uh, that story, but, you know, simplified? Well, it's going to have complex ideas woven in there, but it's going to say, oh, here's a kind of a simple way to talk about it. I just think we need to challenge our children more and not think, oh, you're in fifth grade. So here are here is fifth grade material for you. No, I, I want my fifth grade a child to be exposed to eighth grade material and entice them to say, oh, here's some cool stuff that's a little bit ahead of you. You know, what are you interested in? So that's number one is it's got to be challenging. Yeah. Number two is storytelling. If I were to sit children down and say, today we're learning about economics, right? Boring. Again, they're not going to be interested. But if I just tell and, and teach these concepts through story, uh, they are going to gobble them up. I, as a child, as a student, I went to, you know, traditional government schools and and I, uh, like history was a topic that I really disliked uh, as a student. And as I reflect on why, I think a large part of it was I was required to memorize all these dates and names and when this event happened, who wrote this correspondence to whom, on what year that commission wrote their declaration or whatever, right? And And I didn't love that. There was no purpose and meaning. I, I I feel like I resonate with those entrepreneurs I mentioned who really struggled in school. Um, and and so now here, here we've produced our own history materials through Tuttle Twins and a, a couple of American history books. And I laugh because I hated the subject in school. And yet once I became an adult, I really started loving learning history. And I had to pause and be like, wait a minute, I hated history in school. Why am I liking books like this? And I, I came to realize as I reflected on this, that the books I were reading were narrative-based. They were stories. It was biographies. It was it was just telling these gripping stories, almost like I'm watching TV, you know, and, and there's drama and, and mystery and intrigue and everything. And I was like, wow, like this is super interesting, but also really engaging to to read. So when we did our history books, we totally flipped the model. Our Tuttle Twins history books are not like, you know, memorize this and on this date this happened, all that stuff. Literally, it's one long story. It's just a big fiction book where we, you know, weave in little historical things that they learn about and kids gobble it up because we as humans love storytelling. It's how we share information with one another. It's how we retain information far more. Think about a conference that you went to, I don't know, five years ago, right? You will remember none of the the statistics that were shared, none of the quotes that were shared, none of the details. But if there was a speaker there, hopefully an engaging speaker who shared a powerful story, chances are you can remember some of the stories that were shared. That's what we're looking for with our kids. Whether it's Tuttle Twins or not, we share stories. Let's use storytelling as a means to inspire uh, and engage our children's curiosity. And, and whether you use Tuttle Twins books or not, I think both of those challenging ideas and material and storytelling is something that parents can take away from this to, to kind of have some focus on and say, Here's where I can actually help my children learn more and more deeply. Yes. So challenging material and using storytelling when presenting it, uh, those two concepts is um, something that we need to remember to to teach our kids. And I think that uh, uh, I can so much relate to this storytelling part and uh, I hated history as well. The dates, all the dates, what happened when, and what happened when, like, who cares? 
And then when you actually read the history book with with the stories, you're like, wow, it is so interesting. So absolutely, I think that grown-ups are the same. It's just that sometimes we do things that we have to do, but kids, they just, okay, they, they just turn off and, and they stop paying attention and right. the problem. So definitely, uh, de- definitely let's encourage our listeners to use those elements when educating their kids. So Connor, what um, takeaways uh, would you leave our listeners with? So what would you recommend them to introduce in in educating their children on those important topics as business, entrepreneurship, uh, economics? So with the Tuttle Twins, half of our audience are homeschoolers, and the other half, their kids go to traditional school, private school, and so forth. And so what's interesting about that to me is that uh, for the homeschoolers, they will use our books and material as curriculum. So here, we're learning history, or we're learning uh, about economics and entrepreneurship. Uh, for the the families whose children go to traditional school, they're not so much using it as curriculum. Uh, they're using it more as a supplement, right? They know, those parents know that their children are not learning these types of ideas in school. And if they are, they're learning quite opposite ideas <laughs> rather than these ones. And so they'll read them, you know, just at night uh, for leisure or maybe during the summer when school is out or on the weekends and they'll find ways to weave in the material. My takeaway that I would invite your listeners to consider is whether you use the Tuttle Twins or not, whether you homeschool or traditional school, whatever your circumstances are, my pitch, my plea is to be intentional. I think there are a lot of dangers that come in parenting our children when we are on autopilot. When we send our children to the local, you know, government school because that's what we did and that's what my parents did and that's what my grandparents did and so sure I'll send you there because I want to go to work and I like the free babysitting and I get you know and and you kind of just go on autopilot and you delegate to other people the instruction of your children during their most intellectually formative years of of development. That's that's potentially dangerous to seed control of, of the upbringing of your children to people that you don't know, maybe disagree with, maybe shouldn't trust, right, without a little level of caution or skepticism. And so I'm not saying pull your kids out of school. I'm not saying change anything up. I'm just saying be intentional. If your children are going to school, you got to understand what curriculum are they using? What are they reviewing? What are its deficiencies so that you can educate your child in the home? Right. If you're homeschooling, right, maybe you just picked a curriculum because, you know, a friend recommended it, but maybe you're missing something. Maybe there's something more. Maybe rather than sitting our kids down and saying, here's this rigid curriculum that you have to go through just as if you were in school. What if there's a, a better or different way to allow your children to focus on their interests and their curiosities and support them uh, in that journey rather than requiring them to conform to what's expected of every, you know, 12 year old to know? So there's so much potential. There's so many opportunities. What I see is a lot of parents kind of have closed eyes or tunnel vision, not really realizing the abundance that's out there for all of these alternatives and supports. They just feel like, oh, well, we made our decision and we just sent our kid to school and then I can turn my brain off and you know go focus on other things. I get it. We have jobs. We have busy lives. 
but uh, I think there's a lot of danger when we lack intentionality. Whatever decision you make for your family, great, but let's just be far more intentional about these decisions, recognizing that if, if we want our children to aspire to greatness, if we want them to thrive, if we want them to achieve their full potential, I think we have to question the schools we're putting them into, the curriculum that they're using, the things they're being exposed to, to ask ourselves and say, are those things conducive to the goal that I want for my child? I want them to aspire to this level. Is this system, is this curriculum, is this community best going to help them achieve that? If it's not, let's have a discussion as a family. Let's figure out you know, maybe minor things that we can change or major things that we can change. But it all comes down to intentionality. That That's my plea for parents. I think the world would be a better place if we just studied our, especially when it comes to parenting and, and education of our children, if we're just a little bit more intentional. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so thank you for inspiration to for our listeners to be more intentional in educating their children. I think that this is definitely the future of education and hopefully it will go in this direction. So thank you for what you're doing for the next generations with your books and uh, with your movies, with everything that you do. I think it's really amazing. So Connor, if our listeners want to reach out and to, to contact you, where can they find you? So I'm, I'm very easy to find on social media. Just search Connor Boyack, uh, our Tuttle Twins. It's just at Tuttle Twins on social media, or you can find the books uh, at TuttleTwins.com. Um, and then if you'd like to learn more about me, it's ConnorBoyack.com. And I'm guessing uh, we'll have some links in the show notes to make it easy, but I'm, I'm very easy to find online. So I look forward to connecting. Perfect. Thank you so much, Connor, for being on Ideas and Leaders. A very important topic. It was really a pleasure talking to you today. You as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.